Welcome to the Kintsugi Heroes podcast, where we share inspirational stories of everyday people going through different challenges and how they overcome them. Please be aware that the story you're about to hear may have moments of deeply felt emotions and personal experiences. If anything you hear has a triggering effect, please reach out to someone who can help keep you safe. If you love this conversation, we'd love you to like and share it with your friends so we can continue to share more inspiration and hope to as many people as possible. Now, listen up for our next hero story. This episode is with Derek Rogers, a wonderful human who has been through a lot and he's been able to turn it around. He's been educating and coaching people in health and wellness and education in his early career. And he found himself all of a sudden, surprisingly, in a state of burnout and depression. He was a single father at the time. He talks about the way in which he navigated out, but the challenge for him was that he actually fell prey to the very things that he was teaching others not to do. It shows that it can be easy for us to fall into these traps because of our world around us and our society and how distracting it is and how luring it is to step off path and to not do the things that we need to do. Derek learned a lot about himself and he got through it with the help of the right people and support structures. And he talks about this in detail and he's, he's got a lot to share. He's got a lot to give. And now he helps people with this every day. It's a wonderful conversation. I know you'll enjoy it just as I did. This is Derek Rogers. Hello, here we are. It's another episode of Kintsugi Heroes. I'm here with Derek Rogers today. Derek, how are you doing? I'm excited to be here. Thanks, Evelyn. I'm grateful for the opportunity to share a bit of my journey today uh, in the hope that it may resonate and inspire somebody else, uh, particularly men, to, um, to look after themselves better. Wonderful. And uh, before we get started, I just want to thank you for coming and being willing to share you you know, your story with me, give up some time and energy um, because it's not always easy to go back and share our stories. It can be sometimes confronting, sometimes vulnerable, and these are personal stories and you're sharing it, you know, with me live on air and it's a, it's, it's a great thing that you're doing. It's a gift to others and I just want to thank you for that. So let's get started, shall we? I'm going to figuratively hand over the mic to you and ask you to take us back to the beginning. Um, where does your story begin and take us through? Yeah, thank you. Um, so here's, here's me, um, a single dad uh, with two teenagers working um, full-time uh, as a teacher in a community school uh, in Melbourne uh, for kids at risk. So when I mean at risk, I mean at risk of harm, harm to them, harm to others and harm by others. So these kids are pretty uh, fragile vulnerable um, and pretty hard work, to be honest. Um, and in fact, in hindsight, uh, I was there for nearly nine years and I was one of the only uh, silly ones, sort of, so to speak, in the end, who was working full time. Most of the others sort of juggled a bit. And so it, um, unbeknowings to me along that journey, it took its toll on me. And so I'm pretty... Um, uh, caring guy and, and passionate about um, supporting 
vulnerable kids and and as a teacher it was uh, a school that allowed me to do that and bring out uh, a lot of my skills and things but also I was a dad uh, and had two teenage kids with me for not all of those nine years but for um, a fair majority of it and so towards the um, and I'd um, background was PE and health and outdoor ed so always been healthy always played team sports and as I think as I was saying to you um, before, that I think my calling in life is to be an educator in one way, shape, or form, and be doing that for the rest of my life. So I'm passionate about doing that, but probably in a bit of hindsight, sort of two head down. And so, yes, um, I, unbeknownst to me at the time, I was sort of slowly heading downhill with burnout. Um, but I was passionate about health and well-being, and I was running some workshops for my staff, um, concerned about uh, some of them. And I had a principal who was on board and saw that. And then, you know, I tried to do the sensible thing as you start up a business um, on the side. Um, he said, oh, Joe, I can see you really passionate about it. There's a huge need for teachers. Um, schools have systems in place for student well-being, but not much for staff well-being. And, and not much has changed, unfortunately. And so I thought, okay, uh, I'll, I'll take a day off a week and start my own business on the side and do that. And then that was a Tuesday. Uh, but then other schools and companies would want me on a Wednesday and a Thursday. And, <laughs> and it didn't quite work too well. And he said, Derek, I can see you're passionate about this. Um, there's heaps of work out there. Probably go and do it full time. I go, yes, that's my new challenge. Thank you, Simon. And, uh, and so I left teaching and then I got home, um, all excited, but also I was sort of, I didn't really think about what I was leaving. So you tell me what's wrong with this equation, Avalon. I'm in a high-performing team. I'm a team person. I'm a people person. And then I'll go and leave to start my own business from home in my spare room by myself. Can you see where that's going? And then after a short while, I'm, I'm thinking, why, why am I feeling so flat? Why am I feeling so tired? And I thought, there's something wrong with me. And then it's a typical bloke and, and, and a and a health teacher, there's nothing wrong with me. Uh, but I'm just, oh, I'll just have a bit more of a snooze in. Uh, I'll just, you know, just have a bit more of a power nap today. And I thought, what's wrong with me? And then my partner at the time, she goes, um, are you okay? And I go, oh, i just tired and um, had a bit of a rest. And I had a bit of time off, had a bit of long service. And so I took a bit of time off, but it just, I didn't recover. And then I said, we well, need to focus on what your new job is. So. Here's me. I stopped. I gave up my work, which was my tribe. Saw them every day of the week, really connected, great bunch of people. Because we worked in a uh, pretty vulnerable environment with the school kids, we would hug each other in the morning, good morning, and we'd hug each other at night time. So really close, connected. And then I'd sort of try and catch up with them a bit on the weekends and, and occasionally, but I sort of found myself disconnected quite quickly. I didn't know it at the time, but, um, that's what I needed and that's what I loved. And so here I am in my own spare room trying to work on this new business um, and often I wouldn't see anybody apart from my kids for a few days and, and partner who wasn't living with me but we'd catch up. And, and so I just felt this flatness and it just increased. And then she said, well, you know, what are you doing? And I said, oh, well, I'm doing a bit of this and I'm doing that. And she said, oh, you, know, you need to focus on your business. And so I stopped seeing my mates that I – Used to see uh, uh, midweek, we'd have a Wednesday catch up and said, You need to focus on your business. And I thought, Oh, yeah, okay, that's right, new business. I need to focus on that. Too much socializing around. And so I stopped seeing 
I had the mates. And then I used to play my sports a bit during the week and a bit on the weekend and uh, thought, oh, I know you need to focus. All right, I'll, I'll stop playing those. Yes, I'll, I'll get really focused on this because um, I tend to get a bit easily distracted. But what I didn't know at the time was they were the things that also brought me joy. And so, like, all of a sudden I've cut out in a short time all the things that brought me joy. I've cut out my tribe, the people I'm connected to and felt feel I belong to to start something that I'm passionate about, but I'm finding I'm just struggling myself with my own energy. And so, of course, I started to spiral into depression. And again, I thought, there's nothing wrong with me. And I, and I had this real conundrum of, there's nothing wrong with me. There is something wrong with me. There's nothing wrong with me. Yeah. And I was just in denial. A lovely place off in Egypt, but no good to me in, in Melbourne at the time. Oh, God, what's wrong? I just need a bit more sleep. I need a bit of a rest, and it just wasn't helping. And then it just the feeling of depression just got worse, this numbness, this um, just not wanting to to do the things that I used to enjoy um, and just wanting to curl up at home and just, uh, and I remember, uh, you know, just struggling a bit with my kids and struggling just just to cope. and. Uh, and it just got worse and worse. Um, and then I had feelings of I just don't want to be here anymore. I thought, bloody hell, this is no good. I've got to do something. But I was too embarrassed to speak up. And I was just in too much pain. And there was just this numbness. But I just hated this numbness. And I thought, what do I do? What do I do? And oh, I'm better off. You know, the world's better off without me. I'm not doing anything. I'm not going anywhere. I, I can't get this business happening. I'm a failure. And so the self-talk started to spiral in the wrong direction. And then I thought, no, stop. You can't do this. You've got your kids. You've got a partner who loves you, although doesn't really understand. And I need to snap out of it. But how do I snap out of it? Do I take a pill? Do I have a cold shower? Do I get someone to slap me about? It just, I didn't know what to do. And then I thought, surely I'll go online and I'll find something. And so I found this thing called a DAS test. D for depression, A for anxiety. S for stress. And because I practiced meditation and I was pretty good and had a healthy diet and although I'd cut out my exercise and my connection, these two huge things, I thought I was doing okay and I was doing all the normal healthy things and, and I'd be fine. And so stress and anxiety were quite low, sort of two and four, but depression, it was 24. And I went, whoa. And it virtually said, you know, go and see your GP straight away. Do not pass go. Go straight to your GP. Um, and then I thought, oh, I don't even have a GP. I don't see doctors. What do you need doctors for? What do they know? You know, typical male, arrogant health, health bloke. So I looked up one in the phone book near me. said, come on in. All right, come on in. And he did his own uh, test and similar results and said, hmm, you know, I think, um, how about having a chat to a psychologist? Thought, ah, psychologist, what do they know? You know, I've done some training. And I said, all right, all right, I'm not getting the results. Then I'll sort of swallow my pride and said, right, I'm not getting the results I, I want for myself. I, I'll speak to a psychologist. He was really good. And he said, look, if you don't like this one, another one, there's three, there's four, there's some heaps of them out there, which, of course, is the opposite now with the last few years in COVID where you can't get to see one. The waiting list is um, huge time. Anyway, I was grateful back then. And so I saw a psychologist and, and she was good. She said, well, what's been happening? And I said, well, I've been doing this and doing this. And then as I was able to speak what I'd been doing, 
I had the self-awareness to go, oh, my God, Derek, you dick, you've just done the opposite things to keeping yourself well. How's your exercise going? Oh, I stopped doing that. How's your connection to the things you love doing? Oh, I stopped doing that. And how's your, your circle of friends? Oh, I stopped catching up with them. I went, oh, my goodness, you idiot. So that was good. It gave me the realisation of what I needed to do to get myself well. And then I thought, okay, ring. And I had a missed call from a mate. And in hindsight, he probably wasn't the most understanding mate because I rang him back and he said, Derek, where you been? We haven't heard from you. And he said, oh, look, sorry, mate, I've just been not feeling well. I've been pretty flat. In fact, I've just been diagnosed with depression. You'll be right, mate. Harden up and come and see us. Yeah, great. Thanks. <laughs> he didn't really understand. And then the next mate I rang up who'd uh, had a missed call from a little while ago and I said to him, oh, look, I've been missing you guys. And he said, well, come and see us. Just come and see us. And and he didn't understand that I now wanted to, but I actually couldn't get myself going. I knew that that's what I wanted, but just didn't have the energy to actually get in the car and, and go. And so I said, yeah, thanks. I'll, I'll, I'll be there, but really didn't have a plan of how to get there. And then the third guy I rang, uh, and this is critical. I've learned that we need three, three friends that we can ring when times are shit and really down. The first person doesn't answer the phone. The second person says, I'll get back to you. And the third person answers the phone. So, and the third person, I rang him and told him what's happened. And he, and he said, Oh, mate, you got the old black dog. And I went, Yeah. And he said, I, I understand. And he said, I'll come around now. And he had a shop. And he said, The girls can look after the shop. I'll come around and see you. Come on, we're going out for a cup of coffee. I went, Oh, my God. Some, thank goodness. Someone understood. Yeah. And he came and got me into, right, I was going out in the sunshine, so he knew sunshine was what I needed. Come on, we'll have to socialize, cup of coffee, have a chat. And it was so, I was so grateful, Evan, because that's what, um, even though I didn't feel better straight away, he said, right, I come on. And he rang me the next day, the next day, and he said, come on, on Thursday, we'll grab those golf clubs out of the garage. Come on, we're going to have a hit. And they came and literally dragged me along because that's what I needed. I needed to be dragged out of home. I needed to go in his car, not my car, and get out there and just start walking and, and talking and having a hit around the golf course. And so I'm so grateful that he knew what to do. And I just slowly got myself back in the positive direction, back up the hill instead of sliding down the hill. And then it was just, okay, I, I need to interact. And then I And then I was able to do those little things. I was able to get myself out and I was able to, then get in the car and drive myself, uh, and I'm so grateful for that for that learning of um, those two key things that for me were missing, of fresh air and exercise and connecting with your mates. Sorry, three things and doing the things you love. Otherwise, I might not have been here today. And so now, um, as part of my health and well being training, I use this story a shorter version. To particularly men when I'm doing workshops and I say to them, this happened to me. Do you guys know how to keep yourselves well? And guess what most of them, the look on their face is? No. Yeah, they don't. They don't. So I'm grateful for that lesson. And I had some coaching and said, well, you know, what if those, those months and possibly years of feeling flat and then spiraling into depression was actually a gift? that you can now share. Wow, I hadn't thought of that. So it's life, as um, as Tony Robbins reminds us, he says, life doesn't happen to us, it happens for us. 
for us to learn from it and grow. So uh, I'm grateful and I do that and I'm grateful for the opportunity to share uh, wherever I can, like today. And so you would think um, everything would be all roses and um, I'd, I'd, nothing would ever happen to me ever again because I would know what to do. Well, life has a funny way of uh, testing us and particularly the last three years with um, bushfires and COVID and floods. And then here's me again um, in Melbourne. And just before the end of 2019, uh, I coached my wife to leave another toxic corporate job and said, I need to get out of Melbourne, just need to get away. So we found a little place to move into on the Bellarine Peninsula out of Geelong quiet little sleepy fishing village about 3,000 people and that was lovely just to rest and then um, we thought we'd go there for three or four days and come back to Melbourne and work and then after a week she said she didn't want to go back and I've gone okay we can make this work and I just probably two months before that rebranded myself created a new new business and organization and then moved to an hour and a half away from Melbourne and thought I can't connect with a new community and that was in Geelong. I thought that'd be great. And then of course early uh 2020 COVID came in and we're sort of shut down. Uh and for me being a people person, a team person, uh an extrovert, I struggled. And so the Zoom was okay, but it wasn't uh, enough. I uh, couldn't go out and play my golf. I uh, couldn't go and see my kids in Melbourne. And it was just really hard. Um, as it was for uh, millions of other people. So uh, I'm sure this is a familiar story. And then we moved uh, when I was coaching people, a bit online coaching and said, you know, now that you work from home, where would you actually like your home to be? You know, do you want to drive for an hour for work every day, catch the train every day? And, uh, and people said no. And so, well, what's stopping you? Uh, I coached my wife again to ne- leave another toxic corporate job. I think it was in the... April, May, and friends were renting a house um, up on the Sunshine Coast and said, um, why don't you come up with this? And I went, honey, we've got a bit of time off. I've got a few days free. Let's make it happen. So we went up there and we were rural Victoria then. We weren't Melbourne, which was in the hard lockdown, the Ring of Steel. And so we were able to go for a little while anyway. And so we went up there and we said, oh, my God, this is, you know, she says, beautiful. And I go, yes, I know every time we come up here. And then probably because I'm getting a bit more in touch with myself, Evelyn, I said, actually, every time we come up here, it feels like home to me. And she said, you've never said that before. And I go, well, I'm saying it now. And I said, what's stopping us from living here? Why can't we live here? And so our kids are fine. Uh, my mum was going to move where we were in coastal Victoria. And I, said, I had the conversation with her. Look, we're looking, thinking of moving, moving to Sunshine Coast. And she said, I love the Sunshine Coast. It's oh, great. So, yes, we moved again. Um, and it's such a beautiful world up here. But again, I had to start. Um, and so here, here we are that from that May, June 21 to the rest of 21, moved and packed up my mum's house, moved and packed up, sorry, and sold her house and moved and packed up and sold our place. Then had to buy a place online in Queensland without actually seeing it, just a little picture on the internet. And then you'd look at them and inquire three days later and they were sold and you're going, Oh my God. And so then you're just the stress of a month or two of trying to find a place to live because we've sold this place now and going to have nowhere to live. And so we bought this place sight unseen and thought, okay, that'll do. We'll just grab something and then went back 
to pack up my mum's house for a couple of weeks before we drive up. And then the border locked down and said, you can't come up. We go, well, what are we supposed to do? All right, we'll stay at my mum's, we'll pack up mum's. So we stay at my mum's, not for two weeks, but for nine weeks. 43 years of stuff, Evelyn, and stuff. It was driving me crazy. I'm trying to work at the same time. My wife's just started a new job again. We're in the country, Victoria. We're holding our phones, using this hot spots against the window, standing on one leg, trying to get reception and pack up my mum's house at the same time and then work out how we're going to get to Queensland because we're now locked out. Uh, we don't have a home we can go to up there. Mum's house is now sold. We have to move out of that. So the stress was building up. Then finally it was um, 13th of December or something. We were allowed to drive up because we had a cars full, didn't want to do the home quarantine. That was going to cost us like $6,000 and be very stressful. Stay in a hotel for two weeks. No guarantee of windows or fresh air. Oh, my God, are you kidding? And, and, and we had to pay thousands of for it. I said, don't think so. It happened. Surely they'll let us through next week. Surely they'll let us through next week. So all of this stress and anxiety was building up. So finally, we were all able to move to Queensland, December 21, unpacking over Christmas, our place. Then my mum arrives two weeks later, three weeks later, unpacking, getting her settled in. That took like to April, trying to get supports for her. And probably middle of January, I'm trying to, I'm look, pounding the pavement, trying to start my new business again up here. And so you can probably guess that I just started running out of petrol. Sorry for the interruption. This is Ian Westmoreland, the founder of Kintsugi Heroes, and thank you for listening to this story from one of our amazing heroes. Our mission is for these stories to provide hope and inspiration to people experiencing life challenges and to also educate the broader community on how best to provide support. If you would like to help us to continue to produce more hero stories, and cover more adversity themes, we would welcome all donations. These can be made via our website, kitsukiheroes.com.au. The donate function is at the bottom of the homepage. We'd also welcome any feedback. You can email me direct using ian at kitsukiheroes.com.au. Now let's get back to the story. Like most people, we have that Christmas bake. Evelyn, to reset and recharge ourselves, have rest. That didn't happen for me. So I probably only had a quarter of my petrol in my own personal emotional and physical tank and then started the year of 22 last year with this much <laughs> left in my tank. And so I was just, oh, my God, I'm exhausted. I'm exhausted, but I have to get some new work and new clients and happen. But we had the beach. Good, I'll go down the beach. I'll swim, do some meditation. In hindsight, I was probably, you know, I was just above bobbing above water for most of last year. And then it was only towards the end in October, my wife went away on a four-day yoga retreat. And I remember um, I had a new business coach then. I was setting up a, a, a different business brand. I was going to do my old one to be a not-for-profit for men's and the new one targeted for small business and working on that. I was working 10, 12 hours a, a day but not really getting any financial returns. So then there was more financial pressure. And I remember talking to my business coach just on the day before my wife was going away on a four-day. And he said, how are you? I said, I'm freaking exhausted. And he said, well, take a couple of deep breaths. And he said, all right, tell me, what does your spirit need? And I go, my spirit's saying, stop, just friggin' stop. And he said, why don't you? And I said, because I've got this work to do for, for you and we have these outcomes. And, and he said, here's the thing. He said, had my mum hadn't come over from New Zealand, hadn't seen her for three years. She's coming over a little while ago, and I said, oh, I'm so busy, don't really have time. Look, she can have my room. 
um, I'll work in the garage and we'll just, you know, I'll see her at night time. And, and then he said, no, stuff it. It's really important. I'll make time, see my mum, spend quality time with her, enjoy the time and just hope and have faith that my business and my clients will understand. And he said, not only did they did, but I picked up two more clients because I was in a, a better space. I went, oh my God. And he said, sometimes you feel like you're forcing and pushing things to happen. I go, oh, yeah. And he said, when you stop and give yourself time to reset and breathe, you actually become in the receiving mode. I went, oh, my God, that's what I need to do again. I know this stuff, but I wasn't doing it. I'm too much helping other people and caring for them, and I'll, get, I'll do this for you, I'll do that for you, that I wasn't looking at myself. Well, I was looking at myself in the mirror, and my bags under my eyes were just getting bigger and bigger. And I'm going, I'm sleeping nine hours a day. Why, why am I not waking up refreshed? And so I said, righto. It was only that I, I gave myself permission because my wife went away for four days and I thought, righto, I'm going to have my own internal yoga retreat. And then, uh, and then Mark coached me and said, what would be the best for you? Uh, meditating the waterfall, going to the mountains, sitting in the beach. And I said, probably just the beach. And he said, righto, let's go. And I said, what about all this other stuff? And he said, just reschedule your meetings, taking time out. Next four days, he said, I don't want to see you on social media. I don't want to see any appointments. I don't want to see you going past having coffee with anybody. I just want to see you stop for you. I went, okay, got it. So yeah, I went down the beach and uh, I didn't hurry home. I stopped and I just walked on the beach and I practiced being present, not just for 10 minutes, but for, well, not 10 hours, but probably an hour or two. And I sat on the beach and then I did my breathing and I did the surrender meditation. And then I felt myself lighter. And I thought, oh, my God, all this tension in the back of my head and my neck. Oh, God, it's starting to go away. And so I was getting some feedback, keep doing it. And so that night, I think, yeah, I slept 10 hours on the Friday night, 12 hours on the Saturday night, 11 hours on the Sunday night because my body, my nervous system was saying, I need you to stop. And, and just had faith that everything would be okay. And guess what happened on the, the Monday morning at nine o'clock? I got a text message from a CEO of a company that I had met the lady on the Wednesday morning before I took the afternoon and hence the, the Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday off. And she said, Oh, we're looking for somebody like you. And, um, I said, oh, I used to do that years ago. I don't know. And just send me a CV. So I did and completely forgot about it. On the Monday morning, the CEO says, which I didn't expect, said, if you get time for a cup of coffee, I'd like to talk to you about some training and some other opportunities. And I've just gone, oh, my God, this stuff does work because I was then in the receiving mode. And when I took his phone call, I felt refreshed and invigorated. I didn't have probably a tired sound in my voice. I didn't have a, maybe a tone of desperation. Um, and it was beautiful. I've learned that I need to listen to my body a lot more. I need to listen to my world and just going, going, going. And I know, again, it's not just me. There's a million other people out there, particularly um, in Melbourne and Sydney, given the last three years. Uh, I was reading a, a research uh, from Australian Psychology Board, and they said that nearly a third of Melbourne and, and Sydney people are experiencing a form of PTSD. They're just glazed over, going about their business and just exhausted. And so I thought, oh, my God, that's me. 
And so now I'm more mindful of what do I need to do. And even though the last few weeks have been challenging, I've got an illness uh, with my family um, and a couple of other things happening, uh, it's about stopping and taking care of myself more. How can I be of service to others if I'm not, you know, the best myself? Yeah. Wow, Derek, I, you, you've explained your story and, and told it in such an eloquent and reflective manner, but also just really heartfelt and, and open. I felt like I was right there with you through those moments. And so thank you for sharing what you've shared. I love how you've talked about that, you know, just the learnings and what you've gotten from this. Uh, it sounded to me like there were some key moments on the journey where the pivot point to coming out of the the challenge where you were either burnt out or depressed was when you had someone close to you or someone you trusted. Would that be the, be the case? Was that necessary for you to get out? Yeah, it, it's um, often we've got to, uh, you know, for me and probably for other people, learn I've got to get out of the way of myself because I try and convince myself that I'm okay and to keep going. And it's only that trusted person who reflects back what you really know is going on. And then for me, it was giving me permission to acknowledge that, that I am feeling depressed. I am experiencing burnout. Don't worry about how embarrassing it is. Just acknowledge it. And then what do you need to do about it? And having that support also that it's, you know, so one, that it's okay to not be okay. And then two, let's work through this together. Yeah, really, really important. Can I ask how, how long ago was your period of depression? Uh, so that was probably when I first left teaching. So that would have been 12 years ago. 12 years. How has that event, that period of, of your life impacted all of the years after, thereafter and, and the work that you do today? I think, Doc, yeah, I'm just so much more conscious of how other, particularly other, um, other men are traveling. And I can see, I can see through them more easily. Um, and I've perhaps been drawn to more men when I'm, I'm doing training for organizations. Um, that the old bloke will grab me and a little bit, just tap me on the shoulder afterwards. Hey, you work with people one on one. Yes, I do. What's happening? And have a conversation with them and. Um, and then we often go from there. So, so that's, that's, that's nice that I'm able to, um, connect it and be relatable, have the skills now, or first the empathy to understand a lot of their journey and then also help them with the, the coaching training that I've got. Um, and then also just the general wellbeing mentoring, if needed, to help them get back on track and be the, be the person that they, um, want to be and need to be for their life yeah beautiful you know and, and what you're doing is so critically needed and it's it's unique but it but it's also not so it, it's unique but it's not unique in its need as in so many people need this and as you were talking i was just feeling into it and reflecting on it myself about me and i've been through burnout i've been through a period of depression and the things that you learnt about yourself, I was just 
when you when you figured out that you didn't have you weren't doing the activities you know you weren't getting out in nature and you weren't connecting with you know people that love you so you weren't doing the things that actually brought you gave you the fuel of life mm. yep and i was thinking when did i learn that and i have to say i've only learned that in the last two years mm. And I don't think it's because of COVID. It's just it just coincided with me meeting um, a couple of people that actually helped me, and they actually do a similar thing. But the women, and I thought, imagine how amazing our world would be if we mm. got taught these simple strategies and structures of ourselves and how we operate. You know, we we are not robots. We don't operate on like a straight line continuum of energy. No. You know. Every day we are different, and yet yeah. we're not taught that at school. We're not taught that at any time, really, unless our parents are aware. So it's no, no wonder these men are just going, well, I don't know about self-care. I don't know, you know, anything of what you're talking about because I don't think we've just not come from probably parents of their, the, the generation of our parents didn't really have this level of awareness, but we do now, and that's a beautiful thing. Yeah, and, and and my kids do now, which are great, and and it is changing, um, slowly. And uh, as my daughter reminded me, she said, "You know, Dad, um, the guys my age who um, you know I've had three um, who have died, and they're not you know not with us anymore. Others that are um, I've got probably five wives that said, Derek, please coach them. They're just often not." willing and open uh, but our younger generation uh particularly in the teenagers to 20s uh, are and they they know they often don't want to be like their dad and so you know they can see that he looks like a stroke or heart attack waiting to happen and stressed out um, and so they want that life balance they also want to start off on hundred thousand dollars but you know <laughs> they you know uh and, and great that they're, they're more more aware of um of their uh, body and, and life than I was, um, and certainly, um, and my parents and things. So it's, there is a shift. Um, and we're having these conversations today more than ever, which is great, but we certainly still got a long way to go with, with men's suicide. You know, it's gone from eight up to nine a day now, and seven of those nine are men. More women try. Uh, men just go out and do it. So we've got to continue this conversation. But in a proactive way, just on a side note, out of the 85-odd charities in Australia for mental health, most of them are all reactive. Wait till you commit suicide, then we'll come in and do a talk. So these skills that we're talking about today, what do you need to do to keep yourself well? Unfortunately, we have reactive society, um, governments, policymakers, everything's reactive. We don't have a healthcare system. We have a sick care system. It's based on you being sick. So I have felt, particularly over the last three years, where the media was all, you know, go and see a psychologist, go and see a psychologist, you know. And guess what? Psychologists are now doing the coaching training because it's actually practical. It's very evidence-based and it's the most efficient, effective way to change human behavior. So I'm grateful for my training in it. And just, you know, there's only, uh, well, there's thousands of me actually who are trained mindset neuro coaches, um, International Coaching Federation accredited and trained. We need to be um, busier and working more and making a difference because you're right, there are uh, you know, millions of people out there could do with it. So you don't need just a mental health nurse. You don't need a 
um, a psychologist. Certainly you can start with um, your GP and a 10 care mental health care plan. If you can find a psychologist is, is an awesome uh, initiative. But uh, yeah, we, we can learn how to look after ourselves better, uh, learn how to support each other better, connect better. And so I'm hopeful that, uh, that we're having a more caring community going forward where we will look after each other given the last three years of the challenges that you know nearly everyone on the planet has faced. So um, I'm hopeful that th there is that sense of more community and connecting and caring moving forward, Evelyn. Thanks, Derek. I agree. And I think it's a it's at the right time and what you're doing is helping a lot of people and you sharing your story today is just has come at the right time and hopefully those that need to hear it will hear it. Yeah, yeah, and that's it. You just um, sh I share it wh where I can and, as you said, those who, who um, need to hear it will be there and we can continue the conversation. And if not for me, then I can refer mm. them to somebody else. So it's going to be a good fit. Mm. Absolutely. And just on that, uh, if someone is listening to this who's, you know, can resonate and uh, they want to reach out to you, your details will be on the show notes page on the, on yep. the podcast page, which is great. Mm -hmm. And I just want to ask you one final question, and that is if there is people and there will be people listening to this who can resonate with that depression, with lack, you know, all the things that you've talked about, the burnout, not looking after themselves, what, if there's someone that sort of suddenly got that light bulb moment and gone, oh, my gosh, that's me, I, I, he, he's nailed it, what would you like to say to them right now? I'd like to say that you're not alone, that there are many, many people feeling very similar feelings to you um, and that it is okay sometimes to be not okay, particularly given the last three years. So be kind to yourself. Uh, look after yourself. Um, there's lots of great information out there now to look after yourself. And if you do and share, share with those people who love you because they'll probably be wondering why you're, you're not yourself. And maybe you've been told you to this or to that. So just share. Um, and you'll find that those people who care about you will, will care. And those people who don't care, well, then they're, they're not for you. And if you need some support, you know, f find someone who can stand beside you and has the skills and to help you move forward. So, yeah. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Derek. I really appreciate all of that and everything you've shared today. It's been wonderful. My pleasure. Thank you for, for having me today and, and keep on the, on the good work that you're doing by sharing some um, beautiful stories that can enrich us um, personally and as a community. Right. Yeah, you're welcome. It's, it's a pleasure and an honour, as always. So, thank you so much. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Kintsugi Heroes. Please like and share the show to your friends so we can get this out to even more people. If you have a story you'd like to share with us, please reach out using the contact details below. And join us next week for our next Heroes story. Until then, keep being you and remember that we are all heroes in our own unique way. Only when it's broken
when you're broken Only when you're broken Only when you're broken 